Hey, thanks for coming back. In our last episode, in my interview with Doug Stanley of Neo Earth, I promised to put together a follow-on podcast uh, that was a little bit more technical for those that were interested in the inner workings of the technology behind Neo. That's this episode. Hope you enjoy it. You said we have figured out a way to distribute computation. So what? What is it? What's that for? Well, for us, everything's a signal, right? So whether it's whether it's video, uh, whether it's audio, whether it's text, uh, whether it's sitting in the back end of some legacy hairball enterprise company, uh, some outdated SAP or JD Edwards or Oracle application, we don't care about all that. You know, our software is built to coalesce and facilitate the interactions between those tools into an intelligent system. We tried to solve this issue of interoperability by leveraging client-server approach to information architecture. One big giant box creating a bunch of networked signals. As long as you can get them to that box, everything will be fine. That's why it's called the God box. Of course, then that God box became something called the cloud. But make no mistake, it's still a God box. But for the nerds that understand how hard it is to get those signals to that God box and return an answer in a time that's efficient to where you can actually change human behavior, we think that the slowest for a human to leverage technology automation is 200 milliseconds. But in advanced manufacturing, it's microseconds. So again, from necessity standpoint, we determined that we had to move that logic anywhere that it was required. So let me give you one example. The greatest way to predict machine failure is a little bit like going to the doctor, back to this human example. The doctor takes your pulse, takes your temperature, and takes your blood pressure. Well, in in the mechanical area, there's amperage, temperature, and vibration. Now, those are high signal producing data points. So if we try to move all those signals across a network or networks, get them to the God box enabled by the internet in the sky, not in the sky, it's in a data center, and get us an answer back, the overhead associated with that means that generally you're not going to connect those machines. It's too expensive to predict their failure. Now, we know the value of predicting failure before it happens. Just think about how pissed off you are when Netflix goes offline. Most likely, the signals associated with Netflix going offline were predictable. So we determined that we needed to put that computation and enable the solution to use client-server and peer-to-peer or a hybrid of client-server and peer-to-peer, and I call it the optimal architecture. So that's what we mean by distributed computing. And so it's the same NEO wherever you put it. If it's running on your wearable, if it's on a chip, if it's in your phone, doesn't matter. So it opens up the the aperture on solutions so dramatically. You know, it enables us to connect a farm 20 miles from the Mexican border in a town spelled Wilcox with two L's. So what role does NEO have in the world of the so-called smart city, smart community, smart hospital, smart university, smart factory? Most of the energy around smart cities is driven by bias. Telcos are flocking because they want more data going across their network that they can charge for. Silicon companies are charging because they want more servers that they can crunch that data. Um, cloud companies want to be the host of all of that data. 
existing um, uh, electromechanical companies like Johnson and Honeywell. They want to lock you into their proprietary tools. So, I, you know, it, it may be a little early. It may be a little early, but that's what NEO is built for. And it doesn't need to be, you know, a one size fits all. You know, we're happy if NEO does one thing, enables one part of that to become more efficient and frankly, easier for the, for the end user. But we're actually having a conversation with a major organization uh, that's Saudi backed. It's an organization called NEOM. If you haven't looked at it, take a look, N-E-O-M. NAOM is trying to imagine a new community that in 10 years will will have over a million citizens. And the Saudi government believes it may be the anchor of its new uh, economic strategy. So NAOM is thinking about the myriad of applications, the adaptability that NEO can provide throughout this city where they're going to need to grow their own food. They're going to need to produce their own fresh water and create sustainable uh, energy. There is no computational demand in a city that NEO can't help facilitate. The way we're currently doing it is allowing, the, looking at the big companies to come in and build another proprietary solution, whether that be a Honeywell or a Johnson Controls, the, or cloud companies like Amazon, Google, or Microsoft that says, trust us, we will be your smart city. But all you're really doing is locking yourself into another proprietary walled garden. So NEO allows you to deploy anywhere in this city uh, on your terms and in a manner that's important to you. Maybe it's residing in the, in the ultimate smart node in the home and things are interfacing with that and the home becomes interoperable. Imagine if you didn't have 132 different remote controls. What if you knew in advance before your network was down or that you were using energy inefficiently? I think most humans would want to do the right thing. If you look at the technical landscape slides that are available, uh, there's an organization called Better Ventures that, that tries to present this visually. It's a mosh pit of disparate opportunistic technologies that are trying to seize the day of a massive addressable problem. We can all organize around that. And every day, another unmanned aerial vehicle company goes bust because their algorithm isn't better than anybody else. The bottom line is agriculture needs a tool that the farmers are encouraged to use. And so our experience at Deep Sky and the results we've gotten have proven to us that that it's possible. Um, I don't know if we'll be successful. Um, The reason that we are organizing and committed to aligning with universities is because we're taking the long view. Our ultimate goal is to have NEO become part of the curriculum. We teach the next generation of engineers and scientists how to digitize the food value chain by leveraging NEO and other tools. I don't know, Steve. I think that it is a big, hairy societal problem. We have an increase in population and we have dwindling resources to feed them. We cannot build enough indoor farms fast enough to accomplish that mission. We have a retiring resource. The average age farmer is 58. You know, it's, it's a big, hairy problem. And that's, again, why, why Neo-Earth has to be an entity solely committed to that. You know, we, stay, we still are a horizontal entity. We solve problems in other industries. It is highly technical, but I think, as I said early, um, we've solved that. I mean, we have eight patents. We have another eight pending. 
Now, for a big for a big company, that that seems like nothing. But for anybody that's created software and attempted to patent it, that's a big deal. Something we're really very proud of. Now, we don't advertise that because just the notion of patents, frankly, sits in, sits sideways in my in my throat. I wish we didn't have to have them. But we created patents because number one, we did invent something defensible invention. And it is novel. We have patented the way to efficiently distribute computation. 